Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you could turn in your Bibles to Mark 14, Mark 14 verse 27. It says this, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered, but after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, You yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted empathetically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. If you just move down to Mark 16 now, verse 1. Mark 16, verse 1 says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salom brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But then they looked up. They saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Amen. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white and a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Amen. He we've just read in Mark 14 and Mark, six, uh, Mark 16, Two parts of the story of before and after, basically Jesus talking with Peter just before he's about to go to the cross and give his life. He talks to Peter and saying that the first thing he says is that when the shepherd, speaking about himself, is struck, when it says when the shepherd uh, is is struck, everyone will shatter, everyone will break up. And he was speaking to his disciples and Peter says straight away, that's not going to happen. I won't let that happen. In fact, many times before Jesus went to the cross, I find it very interesting when I read the Bible that there's many occasions where Jesus tells people about what he's going to do. But why is it they're so surprised? Why is it that they never seem to accept it, but he tells them so clearly? There's plenty of times in the Bible that we read, it says Jesus predicts his death. He predicts his death and he tells his disciples, this is what's going to happen. But for some reason, as the day approaches, they never ever seem to fully grasp it. And what we read here is just in Mark 14 is just a glimpse of one of the predictions saying that when I'm taken away from you, Jesus says, when I've gone, you'll see that you'll, you'll scatter and it will break up. In other words... When I'm took away from you, the party's over. Just for a short time, as we know. The party's broken up. 
They'd had three years of spending time with Jesus, going around doing some great things. And Jesus was saying that in, in just a moment's time, you're going to see when I'm taken away from you that the party almost feels like it's over. And preparing them ready for what was going to happen. Peter rebuked Jesus early on in the Bible when Jesus spoke about him going to die. And he said, I'm going to be taken away from you. I'm going to die. We know that Peter's response was, "Get behind." Uh, Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, didn't he? He knew it was an attack. He says, you're thinking about the things of this world and not the things of heaven. And so Jesus makes all these claims. And I find it very interesting that no one ever fully grasped it. Because when I read it, I think if he'd have told me what I read, I'd have fully understood it. But they were never expecting their king, their savior, to have to go to the cross and die. Jesus gave some big statements and claims. He said what he was going to do before. He talked about afterwards. And it put a massive demand on the people to have to believe something. The title of our message today is this, take my word for it. Take my word for it. We have to believe in the words of Jesus. Some of you today here, you read the Bible and you've not seen, this morning we heard some great scriptures that talked about, blessed are the ones who've not seen but still believe. I've never seen him with my eyes, but I can, I know and I believe that he's risen. I've seen his acts. I've seen things that we've, we've seen when we prayed for people and we've been out on the streets and done all these amazing things. I've seen his hand at work, but I've never seen him with my eye. He says, blessed are the ones who believe and have not seen me. You're blessed today if you ain't seen him. But you're believing. But he asks us, he gives a demand on us when he, we hear these stories in the Bible. Apart from God's spirit, you read these things and he calls you to believe in him. He says, only believe. And right then, there and then with the disciples, he was saying the same things to them. He says, you've got to believe me. I'm going to be taken away from you. It's going to feel like the party's over. It's going to feel like that everything has just gone downhill. Just for a short time. But it's not over. And he was asking them to believe and take his word for it. There's many things he asks us to take his word for it. And what you read today are big claims about someone 2,000 years ago who gave his life up, hung upon a tree to save you, of our, uh, save you and me of our sins. I was watching just a few weeks ago on TV, if many of you may know it, there was a singer uh, called uh, Bono out of U2. And they did an interview with him and asked him and said, because he believes in Jesus. And they wanted to ask him what his thoughts were on who Jesus was. Making these claims of who Jesus was. He said Jesus was either the son of God or he was a religious nutter. This is true. If you think about it, it's one or the other. For someone to state such a claim, even the religious leaders at the time thought he was a crazed man. They said he's blaspheming. He says he's the king of the Jews. That he's the son of God. And to them, they thought he was blaspheming. To many then, 
He could have looked like someone who was a religious nutcase. Excuse the word, but that's what some people perceive today about Jesus. Or on the other hand, he could be who he says he is. I believe the latter. Bono said one thing which really struck me and it's really interesting. Because he said, I find it hard to accept that millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by a nutter. It's true. I don't believe it, he said. He was saying, how could it be that for thousands of years, Jesus has, even when he's not been here, by his spirit, has touched so many lives, it proves just in that, that he's alive and he says what he said he was, he, he was, he is. The number one I want to say today is he is the vital word. He's the vital word. We read earlier, Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 14, he was quoting from Zechariah 13, he said, you'll all fall away. He says, when I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. In other words, we say it again, that when he says, I'm took away from you, when I'm not in the picture, or it seems that way, you're going to scatter. The party's going to be broken up. In other other words, when I'm gone, it's going to feel like everything's over. And just for a few days, I find it interesting that actually... Jesus, before his spirit comes and before he's resurrected and he comes back and visits them and tells them to go to Jerusalem, in these few days, exactly that happens. The disciples break up. Everything seems to start to fall apart. You wouldn't believe that the the Christianity could come from something that felt so broken at that time. But it did. He said that this would happen. I find it so interesting that Peter, the one we read earlier in Mark 14, who said, I'll die with you if I have to. Just a few hours later, says to the servant girl when she says, you're one of those people, aren't you? You've been with Jesus. And he denies Jesus just a few hours later. He's the one who said to Jesus, I'll die with you if I have to. I'll die. I'll, I'll go with you. This won't happen. But yet when he's asked, just even if he's associated with Jesus, he denies him. It proves to us today that Jesus is the vital word. You cannot have Easter. You cannot have Christianity without Jesus. You cannot, shall I add, you cannot have it without the cross. You cannot have Christianity without the cross of Christ. The Bible describes Jesus as the chief cornerstone. He says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Ephesians 2 verse 20 in the message says this. God is building a home. He's using us all. Irrespective of how we got here. In what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. And now he's using you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone. With Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. That holds all the parts together. 
Paul's saying that the apostles and prophets were the foundation. But he says that they were a foundation of the faith that's been built. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone. You cannot remove the chief cornerstone. The whole thing would fall apart. And Jesus proved in just a short time when I'm taken away from you, in your eyes, you cannot have this faith and continue without me. He's the vital word. A cornerstone's meaning says this. A cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All of the stones will be set in reference to this stone, which then determines the position, the, the position of the entire structure. If Jesus was removed from here today, if we did stop preaching the cross, this whole thing will fall apart. We always have to make sure that he is the center. He is the chief cornerstone. That the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ is at the center. Dismissing it, we'll be trying to build something without the cornerstone. Jesus spoke to the religious leaders of the day. Referenced in Psalm 118 in Luke 20 said this. He asked them, what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Has become the cornerstone. They rejected him. They sent him to the cross. And what I believe that Jesus showed Peter is that if you reject me, then this won't work. And Peter had this opportunity. He saw the gospel being lived out right in front of his eyes. But yet he rejected for that moment. Jesus. I was reading the UK Prime Minister's Easter speech the other day. Just a... A speech about what he believes Easter is about. And it was some great stuff. There were some good things that Christians would get a little bit excited about. That The Prime Minister saying these things. And I'm not dismissing in any way what the Prime Minister said. He said this, the heart of Christianity is to love thy neighbor. And millions do really live that out, he said. That's totally true. That the heart of Christianity is to love your neighbor. But I think it's more than that. A lot of people in a lot of fists can love their neighbor. And lots of people are living this out. But the truth is this, I think the Prime Minister could have said something even better. That the heart of Christianity is to love God with all your heart and your soul. It's to not just love your neighbor. You see, there's one thing for sure. When you love God with all your heart and all your soul, He will help you to love your neighbor. You cannot love your neighbor without him. If you do, they're probably quite a good neighbor. It's the difficult ones that we have a problem with, isn't it? And I believe that when we love God with all our hearts, some people said to me, how can you not hate someone for this? How can you forgive them for that? I don't know how I could do it without Jesus. I believe that the message should be to this country today, About Easter that you should love God with all your heart and all your soul and have Jesus as your own personal saviour and Lord. Then you will love. Then you will love people the way that Jesus wanted you to love. Don't try doing it without Him. I believe that in these last days that the the whole of our, the countries around us will start to dismiss the cross. It will be dismissing the cross Doing things that people can achieve with their own strength. We can love our neighbor. 
quite easily without Jesus sometimes. But we need to learn how to do the things that we can't do in our own flesh. And it's by His Spirit. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. In Colossians 1.17 He said, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. You cannot remove Jesus. You cannot remove the cross. It would be detrimental to our faith. And I believe that as a church moving forward, when we go out on the streets, and everything we do from here should always center around that. See, the problem is today is that the cross for some is an offense. But doesn't the Bible say it's an offense? The Bible says that the cross is an offense to us. We love the kids having the chocolates and all this kind of stuff. And we've heard it many times at Easter, but it's true. We can't wrap up something that was so brutal. Something that was so brutal in in front of our eyes when we read the Bible. And it tells us what Jesus actually did for us. We cannot disguise this truth, this offensive truth to us that calls us and demands our soul, our very lives to surrender everything. I don't want a gospel ever preached in this church that dismisses the cross of Christ and the blood of Jesus. We will preach it. It's the power of God unto salvation. You will not see souls saved. You will not see it by just talking about deeds and acts that the church can do to make people's lives better. These, All these things come from the goodness of Jesus. When you surrender to Him, when you're filled with His Spirit, you can do all the things that He calls us to do. Number two today, He's the living Word. We read earlier in Mark 16, It says, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. 2,000 years ago, the two Marys, in this particular instance in Mark, the description, the two Marys go looking with the spices to anoint Jesus' body. They're going to look for a dead person. We know that Jesus, everything had to be speeded up for for Jesus and there was no time to do what they wanted to do. So they were going hoping that the the tombstone would be rolled away and they could go in and anoint Jesus' body. They were looking for someone dead. Even though he had predicted his death, predicted his resurrection, they were still looking for someone to anoint him respectfully. And this man dressed in white says, don't look for Jesus in Nazarene, he's not here, he's risen. Don't look so alarmed, he's risen, he's alive. They were looking for a lifeless corpse, but they didn't find it because he wasn't there. And I want to tell you, he is the living word. There's many gods, there's many religions out there today that people worship and they have idols in their homes. They worship God of metal, stone. 
I, I've talked to people of other religions and asked them about when they pray. What is it like for you to pray? And they say, well, I, I don't really feel anything. And I'm so privileged that we serve, we can pray to a living God. He is not a God of stone, amen? He's not a God of stone or metal. He's not something that you have to have on your mantelpiece. That's crossing his legs and staring at you and never moves. No, he is the God of life. He is the God of life. Resurrection and life. The children of Israel, when they were at Mount Sinai and Moses went up, look at them, they soon turned to golden calves. Things that are no different today than they ever have been. But he was the true life. My granddad's favorite thing, he died just over a year ago, my granddad. And he loved Jesus with all his heart. And just before, a week before he died, I had the privilege to be with him. And I was sat with him and I said, Granddad, I knew that he was, he was going to die soon. And my granddad just loved Jesus with all his heart. And I said to him, Granddad, what's the best thing you've ever heard? And I filmed him as I, on my camera. I said, Granddad, just tell me what's the best thing you've ever heard? The best sermon? The best thing I wanted him to tell me? He said this. He said, the best thing I've ever heard is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He knew that he was about to die. But he said the best thing is that he is the resurrection and the life. It's so true that he is the living word. He said he would die and be raised in three days. He said he'd destroy the temple, meaning his own body in John 2. He said in three days I'll raise it up. No one could fully understand what he was saying. He says this in John 2 verse 22. When he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. You see, it all starts coming back. He says, they remembered that he said this. And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Take my word for it, says Jesus. Take my word for it today. That I am the resurrection and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. Take my word for it. These words are not just words written for us to look at and just get a little bit excited about. These are the things that will take you to your grave and then you'll go to eternal life if you believe in Him. Today Jesus wants us to remember and believe His words. What He said. Some of us today, we so easily, I know that even the Prime Minister before he written his speech, he said he'd been out to Israel and he looked at some of the sites out there and he said he was excited to see where Jesus was born and he said this before he did his speech. He said, I recently took a trip to Israel. I've always wanted to go to Israel. I've always wanted to go to see where Jesus may, they think he, he, he died and where his tomb was. But do you know what? You will not find Jesus there. 
You don't have to get on a plane and go on a two-week Israel trip to find Jesus. He's not there. He's alive. By His Spirit, He gives us His Spirit. Some of us will be flying out there saying, I know that if I get there, I just, I'll be a little bit closer. He's as clo- the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm as close to the kingdom of God. He's passionate about living inside of us. The kingdom of God is at hand, it says. The truth is, I'm as close to Jesus here as I ever will be in going to Israel. All these things are good. I don't dismiss them. But the truth is this, that He's alive. He wants to live in you by His Spirit. This is what He paid the price for on the cross. Not for you to go hunting for Him. Not for you to go flying out to different places. That's all good. It's historical. And to see the geographical places. But boy oh boy, I'd rather have His Spirit inside of me. Hallelujah. Romans 8 verse 11 says this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Hallelujah. I want His Spirit inside of me. I want to know the life word. I want to know that the words when Jesus said He is the resurrection and the life, I want to live that out. I don't want to just hang around the tomb looking. I want to live a life that is a resurrection life. Always full of life. And we can have that by His Spirit. Number three, He's the eternal Word. He's the eternal Word. We read earlier the two Marys were told that Jesus had gone ahead of them. The two Marys were told that Jesus is not here, but He's actually ahead of you. He's in Galilee. It wasn't that He was alive and He was sat in the tomb ready to talk to them. He wasn't even there. He'd gone. He'd gone somewhere else. He'd moved on to somewhere else. He said He's not here. He's in Galilee. Go tell the disciples. In fact, in verse 7 it said this. Jesus said, he said, he said, go tell Jesus' disciples and Peter. Say, and Peter. I love this bit. I love this bit of scripture because I'm, I've never seen this before. But I loved it when I saw it because the man in the tomb says to the two Marys, Go tell Jesus' disciples and Peter. Wasn't Peter a disciple? Has he been struck off the disciple list here? Has he been struck off the disciple list by the assumptions of everyone around when he denied Jesus? All of a sudden it's, Jesus, go tell Jesus' disciples And Peter. It's almost like they thought that Peter had abandoned Jesus and didn't believe anymore. In fact, you know what? We hear many times about Thomas as the one who doubted. 
But I'll tell you what, it sounds like Peter's a pretty big doubter. He's a pretty big doubter. Because he was with Jesus, the next minute he denies him. He's one who we don't read about much as being the doubter. But here, it seems that this figure, this man in a robe, who speaks to the two Marys, says, go tell Jesus' disciples and Peter. Almost like he knew that their perception was that Peter was out of the, kind of out of the party now. He didn't believe. He was going around saying, no, I'm nothing to do with that crowd anymore. He'd signed himself out of the circle. But the great thing is this, that just as Jesus says, he has a grace to give you a second chance. You see, this man in a robe says, go tell Jesus' disciples and Peter, because even though Peter denied Jesus right at this crucial time, he was giving him a second chance. He was saying, do you know what? This message, this thing that's happened, that Jesus is alive again, is not just for disciples. It's not for the ones who believed his word before. But even if they denied him, he's here to give them a second chance. He's still in the game. In fact, he was saying, all he has to do is just go and tell him that Jesus is here. He's alive. All he has to do is believe and he's back in the game again. Wow, that's amazing. The same guy who said to Jesus, I'll die with you. I won't let this happen. And then he said, when someone says to him, you're the one. You're the one who was with Jesus. And he says, no, no, it's not me. Nothing to do with them. No, it's nothing. I'm nothing to do with them. The next moment that he has a second chance How many of you today feel like you've given up? You've doubted God, His Word. Sometimes you read, you can be here this Easter, celebrating. You can say, yeah, I believe He's risen. But you've read the words and said, God, I don't know if I really believe Your Word. Sometimes I've doubted it. I don't tell anyone this, but I've doubted. There's a second chance. John 5, verse 24, says, Very, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. I'm glad that Jesus today gives us, me and you, a second chance for all the times we doubt him. Today he's saying to you, You might be like a Thomas. You might be like a Peter. You might be like someone who is starting to doubt and really believe in the words and the things that I've said. But take my word for it. I am the resurrection and the life. I have got a future for you. And just as we read earlier, he is one step ahead. He was in Galilee. And he wants to be one step ahead of your life. You see, so many of us in Christianity can easily get into this situation where we just celebrate Jesus and we don't really look to the future. But God is always looking ahead. He's always ten steps ahead. He's always doing something different. He's not doing the same thing all the time. And I believe that God, is an, who's an eternal God, is always one step, ten steps ahead. 
And some of us need to remember today that he is in front of you. We sang it earlier. He will make a way. God is able to make a way to be in front of you. Do you believe? Do you believe his word? Have you took his word for what he said he is? He doesn't want you to look at the past. You see, when Peter denied Jesus, this was not no longer about the past. This man, this robed man didn't say to the two Marys, go and tell your disciples that Jesus is here. And oh, and by the way, tell Peter that Jesus is not too happy about him denying him. He's not too happy about his past and he'd like to have a chat about that when he sees him. Because he promised him that he would be with him. He said, no. Go and tell Jesus' disciples and Peter. And Peter. If there's anything today that is more powerful in this message, it's the and Peter. Because I sometimes feel like I'm an and Peter. I sometimes feel like I'm the one who's a doubter. Yes, we can all have it sometimes where life gets such a struggle that we question God. Things seem so overwhelming and we cave in. Are you an and Peter sometimes? Are you a one who you know that you've denied him? You know that you've not really, you've doubted God. But today his word to you is if you're an and Peter, if you're one of those people, his message comes to you on Resurrection Sunday. Go and tell Jesus' disciples and Peter. You have not been left out of the picture. There's someone here today I believe God wants to speak to that is feeling that way. Maybe several, but I believe that God spoke to me about this. That this word would speak into someone's heart that they feel like they're, they're very, that they're this. That they've doubted. Is there a chance for me again? I've seen all the good things that Jesus has done. I've seen all the good things. I've been hanging around with Jesus. And I kind of said, not promises, but I, I really knew where my life was going. But then all of a sudden, I just feel like I've doubted. Have I got a chance? He's eternal. He's always looking ahead. He's never looking at the past. He's the eternal word. John 14, verse 2 to 4, says this. Jesus said to his disciples, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you may also be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. He was speaking to his disciples in John. Thomas said, I don't know where you're going, Lord. But he was talking about before he would give his life over. He said, I'm going to give my life, but I'm going to come back again. I want to tell you today, I believe there is a demand for us from his word for several things. One is... That when he says, take my word for it, there is a demand for us to do something with that. You either dismiss his words 
And you believe just like we, we read at the beginning that the U2 singer said. He's 50-50. He's either, he says who he is or not. But you take his word for it. And you do something with it. And secondly, he's given us another word. That he is coming back soon. With a reward in his hand. We will hear the great trumpet sound. And he is coming, returning soon. Jesus is coming back again. And are we ready? Are we truly ready in our hearts? Do we believe his word when we read that Jesus said, he said, I will die and I'll be raised again on the third day. We've seen that. The disciples saw it. They wished they believed him even more when they saw it. But now he asks us, he says, I am going to come back again. And are you ready for me? Are you ready for when I return? Will you on that day have believed my words? Will you have believed the words you heard preached? Will you believe the words you've read? Take my word for it. Take my word for it, says Jesus. I am coming back soon with a reward in my hand. I don't know about you today, but I want to be ready for him. I want to be ready when he comes back in glory. I want to be ready for him when he returns. Not fearful, not scared. But I want to be ready. Knowing that, Lord, I believed your word. I stood on your word. I knew that you were the cornerstone. I knew that we couldn't take you out of the picture. Lord, I knew you were the living God. That you had died and rose again. But I also know, Lord, that you are the eternal one. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and you're the end. And you will say, when you say you're going to return, you will. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you today, in a position where you feel like you're the and Peter. You feel like you're sat, just as Peter would have been that day. Thinking, I wish I'd never denied Jesus. I wonder if he is going to be raised from the dead. And then you hear someone come in and rush and say, he's alive. And then you think, is he going to give me an opportunity again? Is he going to give me a chance again? I denied him. I didn't believe what he said. Others did. But I just, I outwardly said I didn't believe. But the word to you today is this, that Jesus, His grace is sufficient to cover everything. His word comes to you today and say, I, even though what you said, you said in your heart, even when you doubted, my word today to you is this, that there is a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, sixth chance. Because I did it for you. I did it for you. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.